Welcome to SAS Open Mic by Chart Mogul. I'm Annie Musgrove. Focus is everything in small startups. The ability to juggle the demands of customers, investors, and other stakeholders while still executing on a strong vision for the product and the company's future growth is perhaps one of the toughest parts of being a solo founder. Tope Awatona, founder and CEO of Calendly, is big on focus, and it's clear that this has played a big part in launching his product to the world. Tope moved from a background of enterprise sales in businesses like IBM, Perceptive Software, and EMC to solve a problem that was close to his heart in each of those roles, scheduling. Ed spoke to Tope about why the freemium SaaS model has been key to the product's success so far, how the most important acquisition channel for Calendly is the product itself, and how he manages feedback from customers, among other things. If you enjoy SaaS Open Mic, we'd love you to show your support for the show by subscribing and rating us on iTunes. You can also find us on SoundCloud or in your usual podcast app. And now, here's Ed talking to Tope Awatona of Calendly. Great. So, Tope, thanks so much for, for joining me. It's really great to uh, chat to you. And... Uh, I hope your day's going all right so far. It's a beautiful day here in Atlanta, and uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, connecting with me. Cool. Great. So, Tope, you're the founder and uh, CEO of Calendly. Now, for those uh, that aren't familiar with the product, Calendly is something that I guess anybody who's ever tried to schedule any number of uh, appointments or meetings would probably find a lot of uh, value uh, from. It's certainly something that I came across uh, and, and to me, the value of Calendly was kind of very immediate to me. Um, so I, I would love to just ask you a bit about how uh, Calendly was started. As far as I understand, Tope, you, you were working uh, in sales in several kind of big uh, enterprise uh, businesses beforehand. And it, and it kind of spawned out of a need that you saw in those roles. Could you just describe a little bit how that happened? Yeah, absolutely. So um, <clears throat> you're you're right. Uh, so I was a, a software sales rep for a large technology company here in the states, uh, a company called EMC, a twenty six billion dollar company at the time. I, and I had some of the strategic accounts here in the southeast. So companies like Aflac and uh, Coke and Equifax. And uh, you know, oftentimes I would have to arrange meetings with these companies, and you know. I would need to get you know twenty people from my company and five people from their company and you know, another five people from the systems integrator uh, that we would use to deploy some of these um, um, software packages and inevitably it would take you know many many emails to get you know find a time that worked for forty people and I thought to myself there's got to be a better way to do this and uh, that was the original idea is how do you how do you um, build a scheduling tool that makes it very easy for multiple people across many different organizations uh, and different calendar system and different uh, kind of privileges. How do you get them to easily connect? Over time, the idea evolved into rather than uh, trying to solve the multi-party meetings, why don't we stick to one-on-one meetings? Because that's where a lot of customer-facing people actually spend most of their time. I arrange more one-on-one meetings uh, with external parties than they do in a multi-person meeting. So Mm. 
yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how we got started. Mm. It's it's kind of a flow that I think almost everybody uh, who works in a business is familiar with. You know, the kind of emailing backwards and forwards, uh, suggesting different days, <laughs> and I, I call it kind of I kind of call it the email scheduling dance. Um, is that it's quite often that we kind of uh, hear a, a founding story of somebody building something that 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 they want themselves or they, they experience a problem in the work uh, in the workplace and and build a solution to it when you built calendly was was this kind of a solution for you or, or did you identify an opportunity in in the marketplace and then go straight into uh, creating the business yeah so it, it actually um it started more like uh so i had i had a need i really couldn't find any good solution for it Right. I found a lot of options for health and beauty businesses, uh, a lot of tools that are just kind of old and clunky. I uh, didn't work well on mobile, uh, didn't really integrate with the, you know, the, uh, the different apps that a, um, you know, the typ- typical business professional uh, uses. Um, but I was really skeptical. I'd actually started two businesses before Calendly, two kind of side projects. And um, they didn't. They didn't, I mean, they didn't go really bad, but they also did not go very well. So I was very, very skeptical by starting another business. And I tried not to start Calendly, actually. Mm. Okay. <laughs> but the more I researched the opportunity and I, I saw a really big gap in the scheduling space, I saw that there's a large addressable market. I thought about all the inside sales people out there, all the customer success people out there, all the recruiters out there, all the financial service advisors, all the um, educators out there. Mm. The more I thought about the space and the more I researched the you know existing solutions, the more I could not let the idea go. So actually, yeah, okay. I tried so hard not to build Calendly, uh, but I think what the way that ended up benefiting the business is <clears throat> I did a lot of customer discovery before I ever decided to build a product, which allowed us to build uh, the exact right of uh, the, the right amount of product, right? Not too. Mm. Uh, not too, uh, not too simple in the sense that it's uh, just, uh, you know, it, it, not too simple in, in uh, without uh, creating value, mm-hmm. and also not too bloated, right? Because it's trying to be everything to everybody. So in a lot of ways, um, once I kind of did that customer discovery, um, I kind of built it. You know, I guess you could say for myself, mm-hmm. I really like simple designs. I really like, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, just a great user experience, right? All those things are really important to me when I evaluate uh, software. And I want Calendly to be all those things. Mm. And it's certainly, I think that really is reflected in the pro- in the product. Um, just the the level of simplicity that uh, the experience gives you, and especially when compared with the alternatives for uh, scheduling um, meetings or events. Was was there really? So it sounded like you you did a lot of research um up front before actually diving into it and and it sounds like you were pretty much doing everything you could to avoid building it but uh it was probably something that you you just felt had to exist in the world and therefore you you just dis- eventually decided to jump what was there like one what what was like the tipping point where you 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 actually realized that this was something that you could turn into a business yeah i think um I mean, I think many different aspects of it. So just looking at some of the existing tools that existed, so some of the you know the tools that existed before Calendly, I saw how terrible they were, and I also, <laughs> and I think like in spite of uh, in spite of all the reasons why I would not use them, 
they were people were actually using them and paying for them, right? Mm. Um, so that kind of really gave me a lot of conviction around um, the the opportunity. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I'd say that was the biggest deciding factor. Is you know, like, like I said, the more research I did, the more I you know I felt like if these tools, if they uh, you know, not to disparage anybody, but if there's a kind of a clunky and obsolete as they as they appear to me, and people are actually paying for them and using them, I bet if we created something even simpler, um, I bet we would uh, be able to take this to a wider um, audience. Oh, that's great. And so then obviously we fast forward um, some period of time. It's It's been, what, two years now since since you started the company? Yeah, so close to about three years since we launched the MVP. We launched the MVP in late 2013. Mm. Um, we're now going to late 2016. So, um, yeah, right about uh, a little bit shy of three years. That's great. I I would love to talk about pricing, actually, because... Um, it's it's something that I think so many people want to know about or, or get advice on. So uh, Calendly is is freemium SaaS, if if I'm right. So you you have a a free plan uh, which is free forever, and then you have a premium tier which uh, which customers pay for. Um, Correct. Do you think freemium was the only way that that you could have uh, priced Calendly? Do you think it's important that you have a freemium model? Absolutely. And for our business model, I mean, so I think one of the big, I mean, I think there's a lot of things we've uh, um, kind of done well account. I mean, there's some things we haven't done so well, but there's a lot of things we've done well. And I think one of the things we've gotten uh, right is the business model, right? And mm-hmm. that freemium business model. I was so opposed to freemium before we started Calendly, actually. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah, because I'll tell you what my thought process was at the time. I wanted to be able to build something in which we would be able to provide um, excellent support to people. And I didn't think we could do that with a freemium business, right? So I wanted to be able to charge everybody who used the product so I'd be able to provide them a level of service that I would want to receive as a user of of any kind of service, Mm. right? But what actually happened was, (laughs) as as I was building Calendly, I actually ran out of – I ran out of money, right? So I never got got around to the billing part, right? So – the product was great to go. The next thing we needed to do was add billing to it, right? Well, okay. I exhausted my budget for uh, for that part, so we ended up launching it as a free product. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's cool. And uh, yeah, so it, not all uh, not all good things are you know deliberate actions. <laughs> yeah, sure. So the free the free version came first. That's right, and I guess you you didn't add the paid plan until much later on. Yeah, exactly. So what we also exactly so we the free plan came later, came at first, and what we saw from you know before we could get around to implementing the billing was that um, a number of things happened, right? So when, whenever people would use Calendly, would find out about Calendly, uh, they would they would use it, right? So inside sales people were using it, uh, customer success people were using it, uh, recruiters, a lot of people in, in the public sector, and every time they would use the product and invite people to uh, schedule with them. Those people would also fall in love with it, and while they did, they did not need to create a Calendly account because the product was so simple and so versatile. Mm. A lot of times, they would end up creating accounts themselves, and the cycle would repeat itself. Mm-hmm. So what that taught us was that it taught us very, very quickly that uh, that virality. So we, you know, that virality was really important to the growth of the business, and even till now, it remains the biggest uh, kind of user acquisition channel for us. Yeah. Right. So having having seen the way um, the product kind of spread. Um, 
it, 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 yeah, having seen the way the, the, the product spread, it became very obvious to us to, to us that having a free component um, would be really, really important. But at some point, we need well, we also needed to figure out where to draw the line in terms of the feature set, so that we could keep the free users almost indefinitely and use them as um, as advertising and uh, really a growth channel, mm. but also draw a line somewhere to monetize the uh, the power users. Mm. And I guess any any kind of friction you add in in that kind of viral effect is through kind of uh, restricting the the free plan is something that that's effectively going to kill that um, that feedback loop. And uh, I it's really interesting. I, I see a lot of parallels here between what you guys are doing and Typeform, uh, who who also have a product with a free plan that has this element of uh, kind of virality built into it. Uh, so you know, you send out, you create a form, you share, um, you share the form with other people that you want to fill in uh, some data, and and the form itself effectively kind of sells the product and has a call to action through to to sign up uh, new users. Would would you say that's your biggest uh, acquisition channel then? This this kind of uh, viral like self serve sign up that the the product uh, kind of Absolutely. delivers. Absolutely, there's no doubt about that. It's the it's the clear leader in terms of uh, all the different channels that we have. Mm. Having said that, we're also we're um, we've also we're also growing our inside sales team, and we've had a lot of success with that. And it's actually another um, uh, a team within the company that we want to uh, we want to grow, and we're actually re- recruiting aggressively for at the moment. Mm. But the, by far, the virality of the product is. Um, and that sales service is the biggest channel for acquiring uh, users. Mm. What was it tough to, when it comes to the paid plan, actually define the price point for that and to differentiate those uh, two plans on on features? Yeah, it was. I think it wasn't. I mean, I hate to say this, but it, it actually wasn't that tough. And I'll tell you why it wasn't tough. Mm. Is because we had real data on how people were using the product. Before we, because the product was free for you know nine months or so before we implemented the, the premium features, mm-hmm. we kind of knew it, that gave us a lot of really good uh, data on exactly um, how to strike that balance between growth and revenue. Mm-hmm. And also, we did you know we were able to do some testing. Right? So we, ha- in, in the back of our minds, we kind of knew um, what a a premium plan would look like once we were ready to introduce it, you know, what we would, uh, you know, what features we would restrict and what we would uh, include as part of the free plan, uh, which by the way, like what we thought we were originally going to do and what we ended up doing were two very different things. But what we ended up doing, I thought was uh, uh, until now uh, has proven to be r- really perfect and it's not perfect, but it's, it has worked out really well for us. And obviously we'll continue to, figure out ways to uh, continue to optimize it. But uh, yeah, so we had a lot of real data on how people were using it, what the casual pe- the casual users of the product were doing, sure. what the users of the product were doing. We knew, um, you know, we also kind of interviewed people and kind of figured out, so how do we, one of the things that was really important to us is to make sure that you could use the free plan indefinitely, right? Because, it, you know, because you know, just by using the free plan, you're introducing so many people to the product. Yeah. Um, so all that really helped, uh, and then so sorry I died, uh, kind of rambled a little bit, but that's yeah, right. so, <laughs> I get excited about this stuff. Oh, that's um, cool. Yes, um, in terms of yeah, so how do we test the pricing? So what we actually did was yeah, we had in the back of our mind 
features that we wanted to make premium. Like for okay. example, uh, we knew that we wanted to remove our branding for premium users, right? At least tone down the branding. Yeah. We knew that we would give um, you know many more options to the you know more options in terms of you know creating more rules and different meeting types for the premium users. And what would happen is people would come to us and say, "Hey, we want to use Calendly for our company, but we want to know if you can turn off the branding." And by the way, we're willing to pay for it. So what we would do is we didn't, you know, the product was 100% free for everybody who signed up on this site. But if you came to us, if you sent in a, a ticket and said, "Hey, I wanted to, I want to turn off the brand," what would that cost? We would say, "It's it'll be five dollars per user, mm-hmm. right?" And then what we would find out very quickly is we tested that price point and we found out that um, that people were willing to pay for it, right? Mm-hmm. So once we got confidence around five dollars, we tried six dollars. So keep in mind, this entire time there's no pricing published on the website. So we could really experiment with different, many different price points. Okay. So by the time you come to actually build the features, you have a very good idea of a people, uh, how many people are actually willing to pay for this, and and b kind of what what price point is is kind of acceptable to them. Exactly. You know. So basically, we knew what the conversion rate was, and we also knew the we also knew the elasticity of the price. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really um, cool. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about metrics and, and data as well. Um, you mentioned that that's like a really important um, part of kind of measuring the the free plan um on a high level what would you say are the most important uh, metrics to you uh, for measuring the success of of calendly as a product yeah there's no doubt about it for us it's the meetings uh, the monthly meeting schedule okay that's really the genesis of everything within uh, within calendly so you measure that kind of per user like the the number of meetings scheduled or, or just the, as a global kind of compass metric, the, the total number of meetings scheduled? Both, both. Okay. Um, because what happens is, one, if our users are scheduling meetings, A, it means our existing users are happy with the product, they're getting value out of the product, mm. right? Secondly, we know that when they use it, um, when they schedule meetings, what they end up doing is they introduce other people to the product. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, you know, when people are scheduling meetings, it means our existing users are happy. It also means we're acquiring, we're going to be acquiring uh, more users, right? Because just people are introducing the product to other people. And then the really, the third part of that is we have a predictable kind of conversion rate between, um, people who, um, who find out about Calendly and, uh, uh, and there's people, you know, signing up for a trial. And mm-hmm. then there's also a fairly predictable kind of conversion rate from the people who, um, sign up for trials so the people who upgrade to premium accounts and then that cycle kind of repeats itself so if we um, you know so yeah all, all that being said the most important metric to the business is uh, is uh, the monthly meeting schedules everything kind of starts with that yeah that's actually really cool that in effect in in kind of increasing your existing customers engagement with the product you're in turn driving acquisition and and new users through the through this viral effect it's super cool <laughs> yeah i mean I, I think that's one of the i mean i think that's one of the things i'm very grateful for as a as the sea of calendars a lot of times you know you have you have to make a choice between you know your existing users and you know new users you might want to acquire for us it's kind of one and the same right mm-hmm. so if we if we uh, yeah if we make our existing users happy we make sure they get value out of the product um it um, um, allows and it, it just you know creates more growth for us, mm. and also uh, obviously helps us to retain our existing customers. Yeah, yeah. 
Cool. Um, as a as a business leader, I've I've read some other uh, interviews and, and things that you've done, and it seems to me you talk a lot about focus being your your core uh, kind of the the driving factor of of uh, running your business. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering, maybe we can flip that round and and talk about some of the things that were kind of the least important to you during the kind of early stages, the the things that you said no to in order to kind of retain uh, focus on the on the product oh man we could do, we could take uh it could take us 10 years to go through all the notes that i said <laughs> i mean i guess uh i guess if we could hit some of the most common things that that uh founders encounter in in the first year or two that perhaps you think aren't just aren't valid or, or important to think about yeah so i think one of the i mean i i see till now i see it i see a lot of people um and we kind of went through the same thing too. Um, in the early days of Calendly, I mean, there's so many different uh, kind of um, uh, kind of anecdotes I can provide on this. But one, kind of going back to the, uh, the early days of when we built the product and launched the MVP. So, like I said, I, I actually kind of ran out of money when we first um, launched the product. Before, you know, there's a gap between because I originally bootstrapped the company, mm. and then I, you know. And then I ended up raising a small um, angel round. But what happened was there's a little period of like three months in which there was no active development on the on the product. Mm. And what happened was so and and keep in mind it was also the early days of the product. So you you've you've done all the research. You you think you know what people want, but ultimately it's what they do with the product that tells you whether you're right or wrong. Mm-hmm. People had a lot of stronger opinions early days about you know. You know, it would be perfect if you just did this. It would be perfect if you just did that. Yeah. And because you're so anxious in the early days to uh, to get everybody on the platform, it's very, very easy to get. Um, it, it's very easy to uh, to more or less um, uh, to more or less you know kind of you know um, move away from your original vision, right? So, but for us, what happened was we were actually limited in being able to take action on the ideas that people provided in the early days. And okay. what happened was we were, essentially we were able to get some emotional kind of distance from the, the ideas. And what that allowed us to do is you know, it turned out to be a huge benefit, right? It allowed us to actually implement the most important features. So by the time that we were ready to actually act on the ideas, we could see which ones really mattered and which ones did not really matter, right? Because we, we could see patterns in the requests. We could see patterns in the way people were using the product. Um, so I think if we would have been able to act on some of the ideas we got in the early days, I think the product um, it would have really ruined our uh, product vision, and we would have ended up building a lot of things that weren't important, right? But you know, by kind of waiting, um, you know, a few months before actually taking, um, you know, uh, taking action on some of the ideas, we were, we were able to focus on the most important ideas. Um, the other thing that was very very helpful from a focus standpoint was once we. Um, once we started generating revenue, again, you know, it was really easy to see, you know, it's easy to get the people to use a, use a product when it's 100% free. Who can you get to use it when you're actually paying your money? Um, and one, I guess once we started, um, uh, once we started um, generating revenue, it, was, uh, it kind of crystallized what we needed to do from a product standpoint um, to, to keep that going. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting, especially... I mean, for you, for you having this kind of uh, imposed barrier on on development and and not being able to build the features that perhaps in the early stages uh, you thought were the most important. Um, I wonder if that's something that 
other founders can actually implement in their business, um, even though they maybe do have the resources and and the uh, kind of budget available to to build everything. Um, I'm just wondering if there's a way that they can actually implement these kind of artificial barriers to to really hold back and and wait and see uh, what the customers are actually using in the product. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I if I um, you know as we <clears throat> You know, as we build additional, you know, as we kind of grow the product, we do that a lot, right? So we, you know, for example, we have, uh, we just, you know, built a kind of a, a beta integration for Salesforce. And what we do is we build it, we put it out there, let's, you know, get some, get people using the product and get a really strong sense of um, whether there's product market fit and or what needs to be done to actually get there before we start building on top of it. Because once you start, once you start adding features on top of it, um, it becomes very, very hard to uh, to kind of pull them back, or um, I, I guess each feature you add makes it uh, more difficult to add the next feature. Yeah, is the best way to put it. Yeah, uh, are there any flags that you use as a measure of product market fit? Any specific things that uh, you look for? I mean, obviously, you know, uh, you know, weekly um, weekly active users, right? So, how many users are using this feature on a, on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Is it, do people use that feature? Are they, um, do they schedule more meetings, right? Do we retain them better? Um, do they generate more revenue? So we look at the, you know, all the typical kind of like uh, pirate metrics, if you will, that we would, um, uh, that the smart product people look at. Sure, sure. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I think there's uh, uh, there's so many questions I want to ask you, but I'm, I'm aware that I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, if I can just ask you a couple more things, that would be great. Uh, how, in terms of customer feedback, do, do you have like a formal um, process for uh, a receiving this and and feeding it into your product roadmap? How do you how do you manage the customer feedback that you get? I'm assuming you get probably quite a lot. Um, from oh, both free and paid customers, <laughs> <laughs> which is great, right? It's it's great to have all that data, but I think it's often um, the the process of merging that into whatever vision you have for the product and and actually acting on it is something that's a little more difficult to do. Yeah, absolutely. So the ideas are great, but um, you know the ideas are great. And we're lucky to have a product in which you know we have very passionate users and we have very. Um, very smart users and very savvy people who, you know, who are not only thinking about how they can use it today, how they're, you know, how they're using it today, but what else it could do for them in the future if we just, if we just uh, made a certain change or added a, uh, a certain feature. Get lots of really good feedback. And, you know, I think some of the best things we've done have actually come from listening to the, uh, listening to our users. But we always, you know, kind of evaluate that with a bias, right? So we, uh, we also have an opinion of what the product should do or not do. Um, so we don't we don't do everything with a single thing that's suggested to us, but we've ended up doing a lot of really great things by listening to our users. So the process today is um, could be more <laughs> could definitely be more scientific and more analytical, and we're moving towards that. And we're actually in the process of uh, growing our product uh, team, specifically our product. Uh, we're looking for a couple of uh, uh, senior product managers so we can get even better at that. But mm. We uh, we really um, you know kind of comb through the tickets that we get. Right? There are specific things that people ask for, 
um, that um, you know give us ideas, and there are other things that people do not ask for, but you can notice a pattern, right? And uh, we always try to step back and kind of really look up for the common thread between different requests uh, before we um, kind of lift a finger to say, hey, this is how it should be done, it shouldn't be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we uh, you know we have an idea portal, which we're also we're actually kind of revamping, so we get lots of really good ideas uh, through. Uh, um, through that and then what also happens is a uh, lot of people other people chime in to provide more context around why, why you know why that's important right yeah um so that portal we are uh, idea portal are uh, the tickets that come in um uh, product sessions that um you know, implementation sessions with our with our customers all mm-hmm. those things all, all the all those different channels we use them but in terms of actually prioritizing them what we try to do is we really try to um work on the highest impact things first and then kind of move down in that uh, in that order so if we were to integrate with you know, a very common request for example is hey let's integrate uh, you know people want to a lot of the just like you and i connecting uh, over skype uh, for this interview and mm-hmm. you schedule with me Calendly. A lot of meetings that we arrange through Calendly end up happening on some online conferencing platform, right? Yeah. Whether it's Skype, whether it's Go to Meeting, whether it's Join Me, whether it's Hangouts, and you know whether it's WebEx. Um, and more of our users want uh, deeper integrations with some of uh, like Go to Meeting, for example, right? Because there are some nuances, and uh, some people like using Go to Meeting in a way in which it creates a separate room for each meeting, right? Mm. Um, you know, so kind of really evaluating, well, how big is a customer base for uh, for GoToMeeting? How many of those people who use GoToMeeting use Conley? Well, it turns out there's a really big intersection between those two groups, right? So we prioritize those things over, let's say, hey, I would really like if I could add, you know, if, you know, three more questions to my Conley page, right, for people to schedule. So we just really look at the impact um, and kind of prioritize in that order. And we always want to do the, the most important things first, uh, the things that have a uh, uh, the biggest impact on our existing user base before we move down into the things that uh, um, that maybe you, um, a very small portion of the user base would use. Mm. Would you say that your vision for the product has changed somewhat since since starting the company, based on you know things that you found out along the way, things that customers tell you? Um, what is there anything significant that's changed in in your kind of outlook? Absolutely. So I think one of the things I've realized over time is, is one, that example that I gave you, right? So I think in the uh, early days of Calendly, we really thought of ourselves as a, a platform for arranging meetings, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, also triggering business uh, kind of process automation. So I scheduled a meeting with Calendly. I want you to update this um, this record in my CRM. Uh, or I schedule a meeting through Calendly. I'm a, I'm a consultant. I want you to uh, go ahead and build my customer for the time that they're going to be using, things like that. So we always knew that we could, we always knew that what we really did was help people collaborate and also help them automate business processes. The more we kind of get into it and you know, kind of see, uh, I, I, it, what we're seeing is we're actually the front end for, for very successful meetings, right? So um, people kind of want a platform that not only helps them arrange the meeting, but also helps the meeting be successful, right? Okay, um, yeah. So there's a, you know, we see a bigger opportunity in terms of uh, really improving the way people meet, and uh, I'm just getting started on that. So ma- yeah, I guess making meetings more successful goes much further than obviously just the scheduling side. And there's yeah, there's a huge number of uh, problems to solve. 
in, in everything that happens after that point. Yeah, that's really interesting. Exactly. Cool. Okay, last question from me. Um, in, in terms of uh, you personally as a CEO, um, how do you maintain focus on uh, kind of your job and, and your responsibilities in, in building the company? For somebody that's probably, I'm, I'm assuming, having a lot of kind of contrasting uh, priorities and uh, requests from, from many different people, what are the kind of strategies that you have to, to cope with that? Yeah, I think I read somewhere where somebody said, if you get an email from somebody and you delete it and they don't ever send you another email, it's probably not important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, <I'm, laughs> I can see how that could be true. Yeah. No, I, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a challenge. Um, I think I, what I try to do and what I hope to do is really involve myself in, in the things that only, that only I can do. Right, so mm. we have a really, we have a, a team of great people here at Calmly. Uh, not only do not only are they smart, but they're also really driven. They work really hard, and there's a lot that they can get done without my, um, you know, without my involvement. Right, so yeah. I kind of, you know, really, um, um, I try to, you know, get them to, you know. I try to, you know, I, I let our director of sales, for example, handle all the sales conversation and the sales strategy, and really thinking about and hiring, and really only chiming in in when I feel like, um, you know, that there's some unique perspective that I want to um, that I want to be able that that I can add. So what that allows me to do is go focus on the product strategy. It allows me to go focus on how do we, um, you know, are, are there any kind of strategic partners that we should be working with? But in addition to markets, we should be thinking about in, uh, in 12 to 18 months. So I just try to involve myself in things that I am uniquely qualified to do and just let uh, um, the other smart people accountably uh, uh, figure out the rest. Yeah, no, that, I think that's great advice, actually. That's, that's cool. Um, awesome. Uh, what, what's on the horizon for, for you guys over the next uh, six months to a year? I guess you're potentially hiring uh, some more people pretty soon. If, if, We're feel free to, for, to plug that if, if you are. Yeah, so if you know really, so, I mean, I, I guess I'll, I'll go ahead and plug it since you've uh, given me the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it. So, uh, we're looking for a really great, um, uh, you know, product people, um, you know, product managers, right? People who have, um, you know, who've, you know, kind of ideally worked in, um, uh, kind of owned a product before or owned a subsection of a of a product before. Someone who comes from a successful um, product background, they've worked. The companies that have products that are uh, respected, mm-hmm. um, somebody ideally from a freemium um, with a freemium, freemium background, or somebody who's worked on consumer-facing uh, uh, business applications. Um, we're looking for those people. We're hiring uh, inside salespeople. We're always looking for engineers. Um, all those uh, those are some of the kind of key positions we're looking uh, to fill at the moment. But in terms of what's on the horizon for us, I mean, I think it's a uh, I think it's a lot of growth, right? So you actually, uh, since you, uh, we are, uh, you're a vendor of ours. Yep, that's you, right. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> you have a, you have behind the scenes access to you know uh, to our growth. So you, you you can I'm sure you 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 kind of see how things are going, but we see that it growing even even faster. We feel like uh, there's a you know. Uh, for example, I mentioned the virality of the product and that, how that's been a huge kind of asset of Calendly, um, of, of our company. We feel like we haven't even optimized that yet. Right? I think there's many, there's lots of room uh, to, to make that 
doing it twice um, better than it is to, uh, today, mm. right? Um, we, we're having success with our inside sales team, um, but we're just getting started with that. We're having success with not only acquiring individual users, but also acquiring larger uh, companies, right? So, you know, companies are deploying this uh, deploy, uh, department-wide to 200, 300 users. Uh, we're having success with that, but we're not. We're just getting started with that, right? So, yeah. uh, in terms of uh, some of the integrations we're uh, we're working on, and some of the you know, new products we're building, um, there's a lot of really different things that we're doing across um, all all areas of the business, and we feel like uh, we're just getting started. Awesome! Uh, it's exciting times. Uh, Top, thanks so much. It's it's been really great to to chat to you, and um, it was great to pick your brains on some of these things. And I think. Uh, hopefully our audience um, can can get a lot of value out of that too. So thanks so much. Thank you. It's, it's been really great to, to chat with you as well. Thanks for letting me uh, ramble on about these different things. <laughs> no, you're welcome. It's It's been good. Cool. Have a great day. All right. Thanks. You too. Cheers.